Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. Chipotle, they have a very clear purpose, cultivating a better world, and their values support that purpose. We believe that food has the power to change the world. In today's segment, I have the wonderful opportunity to talk to Lori Shallow, who is the Chief Corporate Affairs and Food Safety Officer for Chipotle. Almost 3,000 locations with the goal to double over the next few years. They were founded in 1993. They have over $6 billion in revenue for the year 2020. Almost 100,000 employees. They're public and they just love what they do. We're going to learn in our conversation today with Lori about how her distinctive historic role in communications, in reputation, in food safety, in public affairs, all unite to ensure that cultivating a better world is deeply embedded in all the areas of the company's operations, culture, community engagement, food quality, and such. Chipotle has enlightened leadership. Their new CEO, Brian Nickel, who spent most of his career at Yum Brands and as well his initial training at P&G. So he knows operationalizing, he also knows embedding, and he knows the fast, casual, and QSR world. But he also knows, especially in the past few years, that people vote with what they buy, where they buy, what they consume, and what they support. And that's why cultivating a better world is not just a slogan. And you're going to hear from Lori the many, many ways the company is embedding their purpose across the company. So this is a rich conversation. I know it's going to make you hungry for more. So let's begin. Welcome to the show, Lori. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're thrilled thrilled to be here. You love the food, but love your ethos and your commitment to sustainability. There's a lot to learn here, so we're just going to jump into it. You have had a very incredible career in terms of working in QSR and fast casual. Why did you, you know, come to Chipotle? And then another question, because a lot of our listeners want to know, how do I get to have the same role as Lori? So a little bit about your journey and what they need to know to sit in the seat you're in. Okay, thank you, first of all. It's very nice of you to say. Um, Right, so I spent over 20 years at Yum Brands, which is the parent company for KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell, and worked across those brands and on the global business and had an opportunity there to oversee sustainability, which I, I just loved. It was very exciting to see how that was evolving. And especially with, we had over 40 some thousand restaurants at the time you know, and the impact that we can have. So, um, you know, I spent many time there, but always I looked at Chipotle, which was who I admired and thought, how do they do that? I mean, how do they source locally? And, you know, how do they have this impact? And I was very jealous of it. So when the opportunity came about, I was very interested in talking with the founder, Steve Ells, uh, for this role, which was a brand new role for the company. They hadn't had a head of public affairs at the time. So I, I spoke with him and I just... You know, it was it was a dream job for me to work for a company that was built on, like you said, the ethos and the purpose of what we now call cultivating a better world. 
that was just a dream for me. And, and so, so it probably wasn't too difficult for you to leave. And I mean, Yum is great. And Yum does amazing things. But Steve Ells, what was it like working for Steve Ells? He was one of my heroes back in the day. He still is. I was going to say, hopefully he still is. He He's amazing. He, you know, it's, 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 the history is just incredible, right? That, you know, 27 years ago, he opened a Chipotle restaurant in Denver, Colorado. And his intention was to open a restaurant, you know, save some money and then have a fine dining restaurant. He's a chef, he's culinary, you know, trained chef. And, but he's also an entrepreneur. And when Chipotle just took off, obviously he never ended up going into the fine dining and, and stayed with Chipotle. And so for 20 plus years, you know, when I joined the company four years ago, you know, 20 plus years, we had over 2000 restaurants, just amazing that an entrepreneur and a chef, you know, was able to bring the brand to that level. And just what struck me, and it still holds true today is again, staying true to that purpose of food with integrity. And Steve always said, you know, you know, real food, it tastes different, right? And how food is raised and how it's grown and how it's treated across the supply chain, it makes a difference in how it tastes. And so that's been really important. And we've, we've kept that alive. But Steve is just an amazing entrepreneur, so lucky to have had him running the company for so long. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years ago, he decided that he wanted to step aside and bring in a new, you know, CEO to run the business and take it to the next level. And so in came Brian Nickel, who I also knew from Yum Brands, who again, is just an amazing business person, but also very passionate about the purpose um, and is just picked up right where it left off. And that's where we're really seeing the growth and development in the company. Ah, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, your background is, I just want to dive into that a little bit more. You've got communications, reputation management, public affairs, food safety. Now that we're in a transparent world, you know, again, recommendations um, to anyone listening. Is that the career path to go in? Can there be some different flavors of it? And what really is serving you today in this role that you have at Chipotle? You know, I do have a very interesting role and you probably won't find anyone else with that title because it's an unusual combination. So I have the traditional public affairs focus around, you know, internal and external communication, sustainability, and then social listening. But then added on, I also oversee our customer service and employee services and then food safety. And the food safety piece is normally the one that people say, huh? You know, and it's because 20 plus years at Yum, I spent a lot of time on crisis and issues management, you know, leading those teams and working in the, in the food industry that, you know, I learned a lot. I'm very passionate about it. And more importantly is, you know, surrounding myself with experts, but making sure we have process and discipline in place. So when a crisis or an issue happens, whether you own one restaurant or 50,000 restaurants, you know, you're going to have issues. And so making sure that you know how to handle that. And so that was very important to me. And, and bringing that process and discipline here to Chipotle, it just made natural sense. And that's what quite honestly attracted me to, to Chipotle is the opportunity to oversee, um, you know, more parts of the business and really, um, you know, just expand, you know, my, my career in that way. And I've just really enjoyed it. And I'm curious, how many people on your team? I have about 70 people across my team. <laughs> okay. Okay. You just had a whole bunch of listeners who went, what? I mean, oh my God, she's got so many on her, on her team. So, so that, no, that's, that's really, really great. And I know that, you know, we, we represented McDonald's way back in the day. And I know that they had the same mantra that one store and one challenge and it goes just global. So that's, that's quite wise in terms of that point of view. Let's turn to your purpose and your purpose, cultivating a better world. You've had that for quite a long time. So we'd love to know where it was developed. It sounds like it came from Steve, if I'm I'm not uh, getting too far off base. Right. And it truly is your true north. And I really suggest to all of our listeners, you got to go on Chipotle's website. You've got to read their sustainability report because these guys are the real deal. And we're going to get into it into our conversation. But how does this get interpreted for your food, for your operations, for your supply chain? I know that's a lot, but I'm just going to let you riff. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Yes, our purpose is cultivate a better world. And you know, that means different things. And everyone interprets a little bit differently of, of how that applies to them, whatever part of the company that they're in. But you're right that it was originated from our founder, Steve Ells, who, again, 
said that, you know, it really does matter how food is treated, how animals are treated, and it just tastes better. You know, real food tastes better. In fact, today we have 53 ingredients on our menu and that's it. And they're all things that you have in your kitchen. So, and they're all prepared fresh in our restaurants. Um, Nothing is frozen, anything like that. No preservatives, no antibiotics. So that's been very, very important to us. And we talk, we call that food with integrity, right? And so we spend a lot of time with our farmers and with suppliers and making sure that they are also, you know, upholding to those standards that we have. So um, that has been our true north. And what I love is that we've built a culture around that. We've built our values around that. And that's how we live, you know, making all of our decisions, you know, here in the company. And what we say is the more we grow, so as we can open more restaurants, we have about 3,000 restaurants today, mostly in the U.S., we'd like to double that number. And so the larger footprint we have, the more impact that we can have. And so, you know, we, that's why we spend so much time and resources investing in farmers. And we know we need more farmers, especially young farmers to come in, um, you know, to help, to help provide this local sourcing and these organic products that we need in our restaurants. And, and I know that you have um, some significant programs to support young, far, young farmers as well as local farms. Right. So why don't we just talk about that now and then we'll go back to cultivating a better world. Right. And so you mentioned our sustainability report and we did an abridged version this year so you don't have to read 170 pages. <laughs> Thank you. I got a short <laughs> sample. But, but in there, we do talk about the importance of local sourcing um, and organic um, ingredients. And so in order to do that, we know that with the average age of farmer reaching in the 60s right now, it's very difficult to maintain uh, those generations, you know, passing on the farm through generations. And so um, what we did several years ago is we said we really want to invest in young farmers and in farmers. And so we have many different partnerships, but specifically with the National Young Farmers Coalition, and helping them through, you know, grants and uh, both, you know, financial resources and other resources to make sure that, you know, we are helping them be successful. And we want to make sure that we have enough farmers out there who can produce enough ingredients for us to, you know, sustain in our restaurants. So we made a $5 million commitment several years ago that we're still going through, but that is utmost important to us. And that it's really important that, you know, consumers also understand where their products come from you know, and traceability and transparency is, is, is so important. And that's where you get into that local sourcing. You talk about food has the power to change the world and that you use the word real a lot. So can you talk some more about this power that you see? And obviously you're investing in young farmers. And we're going to talk about your new film coming out that's that's. that's really exciting. But can you talk about how you bring real to life besides farmers and local? Sure. We we try to be very transparent and talk about the real ingredients that we have. And you'll see that in our restaurant, right? So, or if you're in the app, we have pictures of the actual ingredients when you're selecting, you know, whether it's our salsa or corn salsa or our barbacoa, whatever it might be. And in the restaurant, it's right there in front of you. So you can see the real ingredients. You can see someone you know, cooking on the grill, chopping vegetables. So that all happens. You know, we call it, it's very orchestrated in our restaurants. Hopefully you hear and see and smell, you know, the aromas when you walk in. So that is important to us that we do focus on real. We do think that's a differentiator for us and what sets us apart of those real ingredients. So we're very proud of it. We're also very transparent with that. And so, you know, in our restaurants, it's very important that we bring the, the sense of real ingredients to life. But you talked about, you know, real food having the opportunity to change the world. In fact, we ran a Super Bowl commercial to do just that, saying, you know, can a burrito change the world? That was an opportunity for us to showcase to everyone that, in fact, what you order, what you eat, what you put in your body, and if you care about where it came from and how it was sourced, it really does have an opportunity to change the world. And so whether it be, you know, just from a wholesome nutritional standpoint, supporting young farmers, supporting these local um, you know, individuals who have you know built their livelihoods on that, 
or from a climate change perspective as well. So that's that's all very important. So we tried to bring that to life in our Super Bowl commercial uh, this year, which was really fun. It was it was really fun. And we're going to append a link to it in our show note. But I love it because it's got a brother and a sister. It is just so fun. It's got a brother and a sister. And he's saying, can a burrito change the world? Change how plant things and grow things? Improve the dirt where we grow? Save water where we use it? How we pick things, move things, and transportation things? And then she goes, there's no transportation things. I mean, it, it's just it's just lovely. What was the response to it? Oh, it was incredible. So first of all, that was our very first Super Bowl commercial. So we had never done something like that as a brand before. And um, it was our way to come out. I mean, we, we hired a new chief marketing officer shortly after I started. And we brought in Brian Nickel. And just being more transparent, bring more on the front foot. We didn't change the amount of money we were spending on advertising. We just changed the way we did it and what we were saying and where we were showing up. And the focus has been to be a lot more relevant and making sure that, you know, we're being, our brand is being seen where consumers are today. And so we've focused a lot more on social media and other, you know, programs and platforms that have gotten us noticed, which has been really great. And and I love the sign off for real. Yep. Yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. That that was great. I noticed, um, and, and you report this that in your comp plan, that you tie your leaders to KPIs that are related to not all, but some to sustainability. How did that come about, and how was that driving behavior change? So this is the first year we did that. We announced it um, earlier this year, and. And basically, like you said, with 10% of our leadership team, our CEO and our executive leadership team compensation for their bonus um, is tied to ESG goals. And we divided those out into, you know, our report is food and animals, people and the environment. And so we have an ESG goal around each of those. And if we meet it at the end of the year, there'll be a, um, you know, 10% of the bonus will apply to that. And the reason that came about was, you know, we've talked about it a lot and we we want to show that it's not just words, right? We can say things and put words on a page, but we really wanted to put you know, our money where our mouth was, if you will. And so we know that if we have that lens, when we're making business decisions and we're thinking about ESG and we're thinking about you know, the goals that we're trying to achieve, you have to act differently. And so really showcasing that we're going to you know, put our performance against it and to hold us accountable as leaders and that that trickles throughout the organization. So, so that's why we did it. It was very fun. Actually, we're in the process of thinking about what is our year two. We do plan to do it again for next year. And, and that was also something our board encouraged us to do. So that was in partnership with our board of directors. So what was the response from your leadership? And, and how far down does it go into um, leaders, maybe it's managers with, within your company? Yeah, right now it's just our, our CEO and all of his direct reports. So it's our, um, our executive leadership team that is held responsible for and accountable, you know, from the budget perspective and the bonus perspective, but certainly sustainability is all throughout the organization and the goals that are set. That's definitely a cross-functional event. It's a terrific step. We can't wait to see what you're going to state in year two. Let's make a turn towards, again, uh, food safety. Um, Traceability and data are core to your transparency commitments, especially in regards to food safety following. And there and there have been, you know, you're in the food business and issues happen, um, especially in 2015. Um, so can you say how you've embraced data and technology to make food safer? Sure. One of the things that I was pleasantly surprised and very impressed when I first joined Chipotle uh, four years ago was the traceability program that we had in place. So we had partnered with FoodLogic and we have the ability to trace product upstream, you know, to to the farm. So where it came from, then it's and then we follow its distribution throughout. So if there is a need to recover product, we're all familiar with, you know, I'm gonna knock on wood because this time of year there's always a romaine lettuce recall and we're out of salad everywhere. <laughs> Um, and that normally happens as you're transitioning product from California to Yuma, Arizona. And um, so it's been critically important for us to be able to trace that product and understand when there is a recall, is it in our system? Where is it? And then we can quickly recover it. We have a dial-out system that all of our restaurants can be notified immediately. We have a way to track and make sure we can quickly you know, pull something um, out of our restaurants if we need to. But, but traceability, transparency, and then using that data you know, we use it for many things. Um, certainly, if there's a crisis, then we need to recover that. But, but also, we we showcase you know that information to our consumers. We want them to understand 
you know, the, where is, what is sourced locally, where it comes from. Um, and so there's many ways that we're looking actually in using that data and bringing it more to the forefront with consumers other than us using it internally for tracking purposes. Considering the droughts and the fires on the West Coast this year, and then also droughts in the Midwest, how have you responded to that? Must That that makes planning really difficult. Our supply chain team has done an amazing job. So there's the environmental factors you mentioned with fires and floods and things, but then even just the supply chain in general right now is so challenged, right? With with COVID and labor shortages, you know, I, I'm here in California, and so I look out in the ocean and see all the cargo ships lined up for days and weeks, right? So all of our Christmas gifts are, are out there sitting in the ocean. <laughs> but, but our supply chain team um, has done an amazing job to make sure that, you know, we do have the ingredients that we need and we have the supply chain uh, full. One of the things that help us is, to be honest, is our food with integrity. And because we have those long-term contracts and because our uh, guidelines are so stringent, that's helped us make sure that we have we can maintain that supply chain a little bit better than some of the others. So we really haven't seen many outages. Um, we've been very fortunate and we can shift and pivot when we need to. I want to turn to Brian because you have an enlightened CEO and so many of our listeners are going, oh, I wish I had a CEO. They always say like Paul Pullman um, or Steve Ells. And now they're going to say Brian because he's truly bringing amazing operational approaches and he's the real deal. So do you have any suggestions to your colleagues if they don't quite have an enlightened CEO, what they can do to try and educate the CEO in the C-suite so that they can move along their sustainability journey? Yeah, Carol, you were absolutely right that I definitely won the lottery (laughs) when uh, when Brian Nickel came on board because, you know, it's one thing to go into a company that has some practices in place and, and you go through the motions and you support it, right? But he is the real deal and he challenges us. You know, I'll, I'll give you a really good example. So we recently just set our science-based targets um, and announced that we're going to reduce our scope one, two, and three emissions in partnership with the SBTI by uh, 2030. And so as we were, um, you know, we're working with our leadership team and our cross-functional partners. And so we went to say, okay, you know, we're all going to commit to doing this, right? Because it's, it's going to take a lot and it's going to take resources to get there. And um, Brian, you know, right away went to, you know, this is great because we had to tell him we set these pillars up and, you know, how are we going to achieve these goals before we make this public commitment? Because we are, you know, we're sure we want to make sure that when we say something publicly that we have a plan in place to get there. And so he says, you know, we can spend a lot of time and resources and with renewable energy and doing this and doing that. He says, but we need a disruptive category. And he said, you know what? Sign me up for it. I want to lead that pillar. Really? So we had our four pillars of our core teams. And then he's like, I want a disruptor category. And we're going to think different. You know, we have to think about things that, you know, maybe we need to buy our own, you know, land and create windmills and, and that'll source the energy in our own restaurants. And so, but that's the way he thinks. And so I know you don't have that everywhere. And so your question was, well, how do I, you know, enlighten that? And I think it's, Um, one of the things is making sure that you are, whatever your product is, making sure that your, yourself, your leadership team, and certainly your CEO can touch and feel that experience. So for me, and again, this was Brian also insisting that we go out and visit our suppliers and visit the farms. Um, you know, we see the difference between, you know, pigs that are raised conventionally and how they're, um, how they're kept for the time that they're alive, you know, versus, being able to roam freer and have that, you know, have the access to land that is so important. And we do believe that it does make the product taste different, but getting onto the farm. So if you can take your CEO and make sure they're meeting with suppliers, they're seeing the impact that you can have, or maybe also show them the impact in a negative way that if you don't change, you know, what might happen and hopefully you can win them over that way. But um, I do think they have to believe in the passion and the purpose. And that's one of the things that attracted Brian, like many of us to Chipotle is to work for a company that already has that purpose built in. We're not trying to find the purpose or create a purpose. Um, you know, it's there. So how can you just flourish it? So we're going to go into some more of the areas of your purpose and its execution. But what are some of the, cha- is there a challenge left? Uh, is there a mountain for you to climb? Is there a barrier that, oh, I've been hitting my head against the wall? Oh, there's plenty. I think that, you know, especially in the world of sustainability, it's, you know, boy, there's so much more we can do. There's so, you know, our, our footprint, well, again, we only have 3000 restaurants, so it's not huge, but we know that that does impact the environment. And, 
you know, when we look at the different areas, so we talked a little bit about environmental and with waste and, you know, energy and things we can do there. But then think about people. And that's really important to us. We're a people business. We have 100,000 employees. We are all company owned, which is also makes us very unique. You know, we're not a franchise model. Um, so these 100,000 employees who we can provide direct resources to, and that's been really important and critical even before COVID, but more so with COVID and making sure that from a, you know, a benefits perspective that we're helping them with whatever they might need, certainly mental health, financial health, you know, our debt-free degrees, whatever they might need. And we try to pulse our employees all the time and see, you know, how we can help them, how to better assist. And that's how we came up with things like, you know, we will help them with getting, um, you know, besides the college degrees, but English as a second language for them and their family members. And, um, employee assistance um, available for them and their family members if they just need someone to talk to. So that's super important to us. And then, um, and then certainly around, you know, with with food and animals. But there's so much work to be done. And even these science-based targets, you know, to reduce 50% of where you are today in a relatively short period of time, you know, that is um, that's a monumental challenge that you know we're we're putting those in place. I think that's what I think is our our biggest charge right now, and that will be over the next say eight years or so. How did you create a debt free uh, degree program? I mean, I know how a Starbucks did theirs with ASU, and I commend you for having it. But how did you get it together? Oh, we found a great partner in Guild Education, and so they help us administer this. And we're constantly adding new degrees and new universities, but we definitely partnered with them to help us orchestrate it. And, you know, they do all the heavy lifting and, and we just communicate that out. And it, it is, it's one of the draws that helps us, especially in today's tight labor market, you know, that, you know, boy, you can, you know, work at Chipotle and we'll help pay for your, your education as you're coming along. So it's a win-win, certainly for us from a retention standpoint, you know, and then obviously for employees and we want to see them fulfill their you know, educational dreams and then go on to do whatever they'd like to. Hopefully they stay at Chipotle, but certainly whatever career they want to pursue. And you do have a lot of programs that are focusing on employees. So how is your turnover compared to others? I bet you're a lot lower. Well, we hope we are um, and we believe we are. We also did increase wages, you know, this year. So that was a um, a big help. You know, we were already paying above the minimum wage, but we announced that our average wage was going to be $15 an hour. For employees plus all the great benefits. We didn't mention the free food that we offer too to all our employees when they're on, you know, they get, they get a free meal every time they work and, and discounts. But, you know, it's a challenge. And I think that what we call employee value proposition is really important, especially in, in today's tight labor market to make sure that you're offering not only the, you know, the base, you know, wages that everyone's looking for, career advancement, benefits, perks, whatever it is that goes along it, but more importantly, that culture right? You have to get up every day and want to go to work and want to feel good about the work that you're doing. And that's where, you know, even if you're, you're coming into our restaurant, you're serving the, the guests on the front line, or you're chopping vegetables in the back, we want you to know about our purpose of cultivating, cultivating a better world and that what you're delivering to guests is helping us achieve that. And it sounds like your employees do recognize that. Yes. We, and that's what we try to communicate to them and share with them and all these great, you know, films and commercials that we share those as well, because we want them to feel as good about it as we do. And so there's, you know, we call our corporate offices, restaurant support centers. Nice. Everything we do is here to support the restaurants and those employees. And so we know that in part of our values is um, I, my favorite one is the line is the moment of truth. And what that means is when you get in front of our line, literally the line in the restaurant, or if you order digitally, um, you know, that's where it all comes to life, right? You've got to have the products looking great, tasting great, you have the smiling employee, you know, as you go down the line and you just have that great guest experience. So that really, that line is a moment of truth and everything that we do to support them and get that product there and help them with training and, and all that, that's where it all comes to life. That is so smart. Um, how did you um, address the pandemic vis-a-vis uh, store closings and then supporting your employees? We created a uh, COVID task force, which Unfortunately, we're still meeting three days a week. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was seven days a week. So I guess that's an improvement. Um, but we created a cross-functional task force, which, um, you know, I still sit on today. And it's critically important that we, you know, are, are addressing everything as they come. And it's, it's, it's ever-changing. But the good news is in the early days, um, we really, because of our digital business, and so thankful that, you know, Brian Nickel and, and 
our chief information officer, you know, led the charge in digital because we were able to pivot very quickly from digital was 20% of our business that flipped almost 100% overnight. So while we had to close down our dining rooms and guests couldn't come into our restaurants, you could still order through our app and order digitally and come and pick it up or have one of our delivery drivers uh, take it to you. So fortunately, we didn't have to close a lot of restaurants. We did close about 100 at one point for think about malls and universities where they were just completely shut down. Um, but for the most part, we were able to keep our restaurants open, keep our employees employed um, and you know, offer assistance pay and, and extra benefits, everything we could do to support them during that time. Um, and then fortunately, you know, pretty quickly, we were able to reopen and, and get things back to normal. Um, but, you know, again, we did everything by our values. You know, we followed our values. We we're making those decisions. But the way we did it was through a really incredible cross-functional task force team that, like I said, still meets today. And we're following along with all the changes and still waiting to see what's coming next. Here's a little known fact that unless you read your sustainability report, you wouldn't know that you upcycle 60,000 avocado pits into natural clothing dye. So I'd love you to tell like what? So I would love you to talk about food waste. And you have this initiative called Chipotle Goods. And so again, disruptive, forward-leaning um, ideas to deal with upcycling and food waste. Right. And this is why I love our sustainability team, um, which is part of my group, that they're always thinking creatively and looking to see, again, where can we have an impact? So, you know, we do things like not sexy, but dumpster diving, right? And you want to see where is the waste <laughs> coming from and what is, what, what's the waste that's accumulating? So there's, there's two stories I'll tell you very quickly. One is first, um, you know, we wear gloves in our restaurants, all of our employees, and we wash hands right now every 30 minutes. So, or if you do a different task and you change. So that's a lot of gloves coming on and off, right? And going into the landfill. So um, when we recognized that waste, we said, well, what could we do with those gloves? So we created this gloves to bags program. We found one of our suppliers who is an amazing partner and said they wanted to, to help just like we did to eliminate some waste in our restaurant. We have those plastic gloves, those used plastic gloves that our employees are wearing. And then we send them to a supplier who converts them into trash liners. Think of your bags that you line your trash cans with in your restaurant. And so they're repurposed that way. So it's that closed loop of you took something that would have just gone to the trash, turns it in tra a trash liner, it's reused in our restaurant. So again, just a creative way to solve that. And then avocado pits, you are right. We, <laughs> we are known for our guacamole and yes, you it's are. extra. Yeah. It tastes extra. So, um, but because we go through so much guacamole, we have a lot of avocado pits in our restaurant. So again, when you're looking at food waste and saying what's accumulating and what can we do about it, the team, you know, again, tried to look for creative solutions for that. And one of that was through our Chipotle goods line, which is a merchandise, you know, our, our Chipotle swag, as we call it. <laughs> and they created, and they're so fun. It's my favorite shirt. It sells out all the time. And we have sweatshirts and that too, but they're made out of the dyes from the avocado pits. And so, um, and we help, you know, we have fundraising behind that. So all sales, you know, the proceeds go to help um, organizations and farmers and that as well. But um, that was one solution. We're also looking at things like how do we take the avocado pits and maybe put them into cutlery you mm. know, so that yeah. we use in our restaurants. Um, so again, always looking for creative solutions when we see there's a, not a bottleneck or a problem, but you know, what can you, how can you do better, right? When you have a lot of waste because the volumes are as high as they are. And so we're always looking at things like that and seeing how we can, um, you know, have a, have a nice impact. And where do those ideas come from? Do you have like, okay, we're going to take it to the innovations team or is innovation so baked in across the company that anybody can come up with an idea? Absolutely. So we, we don't have a separate team, um, a creative team. Certainly there's a lot of creative minds, but for the most part, you know, it's the teams just diving in and seeing, um, you know, if you see something and then you think, well, gosh, how do I get to that solution? And we try to help people think creatively, you know, have the space. And when you just put like minds together, it's amazing what people can come up with, you know, and our agency partners. We have incredible agency partners and suppliers who also will get in a room and just banter around like, OK, here's what we're dealing with. Now, what can we do with it? And you get to these these great solutions. And another very interesting idea is real food print. So can you share with our listeners what that is? We thought it was really important for consumers to know the impact that they're having based on the food that they're purchasing. And so when you order in our app or on our website, 
it will tell you based on your order, the impact that you're having. So how much water was saved, you know, how many, um, you know, what was the environmental impact of the ingredients and the products you put together? And it's comparing against conventional, you know, so what are we comparing it to? So again, that food with integrity, the way that we raise um, the products and the ingredients that we use um, have those built-in savings. And we wanted to share those transparently with consumers. And so we found How Good, which is our partner, um, and through the Real Food Print. And again, leveraging that traceability and the technology that we have to be able to share that and showcase back to a consumer. So they feel good about it when you place that and you go, wow, you know, because I ordered this burrito, you know, I saved X gallons of water or, or whatnot. It's, it's pretty cool. And it's very cool. So you have these amazing programs. Do you measure their breakthrough to your customers? And I know our listeners are going like, oh, my God, I'm asked about measurement all the time. How do I do it that, it you know, so I can really understand what's moving the needle? Yeah, I think it's important for us to, you know, we measure ourselves. So we have KPIs. Certainly we have goals in our sustainability report, just like all of your listeners do. And, and that's what you're charging for toward, right? And those are those are tough goals and you have to take take actions to get there. But it, it's important also to your point that consumers also see the impact and feel good about it. And that's where the transparency comes in and we have to showcase that. And the real footprint was just a good example of, you know, that look, we can't do it alone, right? We need you when you come into our restaurant, choose the right receptacle to put your, so we can compost or we can recycle and so consumers have to help us. And so, you know, we want them to understand that there is much a part of the problem and the solution and working together, you know, we can have a great outcome, but we, we try to be very transparent and, and share that. And then, you know, they do tell us what's working, what's not working, and they'll bring us ideas, which we love that too. And, That's great. You know, a really good example is we're rolling this out is in, in our app, especially everybody now orders delivery and take home, Right. Well, how many forks and plastic knives do you have in your drawer at home, right? <laughs> Too many. Anymore. Right. So why not give consumers the option to select out, to opt out of cutlery Please. and napkins, right? Saves on waste, saves on cost, you know, and you don't feel bad about throwing it away and because you have utensils at home to use. So that's just another great example of an innovation that, and and that's something we hear from consumers a lot. They don't want it. Like, don't, I hate, I feel bad throwing it away. Don't give it to me. So that's something we're looking at. I totally feel bad throwing it away. Yep. So right. that is, that is so real. So, th so thank you for the opt out. Let's talk a little bit about the Chipotle Cultivate Foundation. You know, what are your, there are a lot of programs, but you know, you've talked about young farmers and such, but what are your favorite programs um, in the foundation? The Cultivate Foundation, uh, we created an Illuminaries program. And basically that is, um, a program, it's in its third year right now, and we bring together a small group of these growth-ready ventures. And these are individuals, they're, they're think about, um, you know, startup companies. Uh, so these aren't ones that are just thinking of an idea sitting in a garage, right? They actually have a product or a process or something, a service that is just, you know, ready to take off, right? And so, and it's something that fits within our ethos, meaning, you know, they're supporting farmers, they're helping with land use, they're helping with tax issues, um, you know, or sustainable sourcing, plant-based products, different things like that. So we find these, these ventures, they all apply, we go through a long process. And we put together almost a year-long, you know, Illuminaries uh, program for them that they'll go through. And we give them resources, mentorship, access to, you know, executives here at Chipotle, but really try to help them build their company so they can be successful and ultimately help companies like us achieve our objectives around sustainability and, and our food with integrity. So, you know, I've been able to meet some amazing ventures and uh, things that they're trying to do. There's there's one uh, that we're working with right now. I'm actually mentoring that, you know, they grow green, you know, think about cilantro. You can grow it right there in the restaurant. And so, and it's this, you know, through their, um, I forget what they call their, their casing and all that, but think about, you know, um, uh, you know, these, you hear about the container ships and things like that, where they were now growing green products because we don't have, you know, as much access to land and we have the environmental issues you talked about with floods and fires. So this is a very contained way for us, for example, to grow cilantro pretty interesting and innovative, but, but that's what the, the foundation supports. So in addition to farmers, you know, luminaries and ventures and people that are really going to help us move our mission and our purpose forward. 
do the illuminaries have to offer you their invention first, or is it more of a thought leadership and a rising tide rises all ships? Yeah. And in fact, we won't partner with them initially. So we want them to go through the program, oh, good. Um, get the resources, but it, it does not, they do not have to support Chipotle. And because it is funded and uh, serviced by the foundation, which is a separate 501c3. So it, they're not meant to be working for Chipotle or to come up with an idea for Chipotle. It's really to help solve the world problem, you know, whatever it might be they're trying to solve in the food and ag space. Oh, that's lovely. I I love that. So talk about love. In 2011, you had this amazing TV spot, Cultivate a Better World, and it was just beautiful. And I don't know how many years you, you used it, but guess what? listeners, those gorgeous characters are coming back. So um, this is a very timely uh, conversation because you're unveiling a new short film. I think it's November 16th. That's correct. And it's called A Future Begins. So can you talk? I know Lori's smiling ear to ear on this one. So (laughs) so for those who you can't see, but um, tell us a little bit about it and how it came about. You're talking 10 years later from the original. Right. The original uh, title back to the start, and it was, it was 2011. So a lot of listeners, you know, probably the young ones um, don't even remember what it was. And so Willie Nelson sang the song for us and it was all about, you know, farming and how um, it really is. It's so hard. It's such a hard uh, industry. You know, these farmers, they work 365 days there is no break. There's no holiday. You know, the, the cows need milk. The, you know, everything has to happen every single day. They very, very rarely take a vacation. Um, and so we had this, this film back to the start and it was so, I it won all these awards. It was great. It was 10 years ago. Right. And so fast forward to today, and this is something we've been talking about for years, but we're so excited because we're just about to finally launch a future begins. And so, it's a, a new film, an extension of that one. So you'll have the same animation, but it again talks about how the future of farming is at risk and why is it at risk? And it's that, you know, the parents have worked so hard on the farm and they raise their children, they go off to college. And a lot of times the kids don't want to come back to the farm because boy, is it hard. It's hard work, right? They want to sleep in, right? They want to have a Saturday <laughs> off. Yeah. So, um, but, and this is part of even what we do with our Illuminaries project is you know, it doesn't have to be that hard, right? And through advancements in technology, they can leverage, even in the new film, you'll see the farmer takes out an iPad, right? And yeah. is using that on their farm and solar panels. And so, you know, leveraging these new technologies to not only make it easier, but certainly more efficient um, and a sustainable farm, you know, for them. So it's just, it's a great film. I'm so excited uh, once we finally launch it and that people will be able to see it. But Hopefully it'll it'll be eye-opening that people have a better respect and understanding for the challenges that farms face. And I will tell you the biggest problem that we hear from um, farmers and with those who want to start farming is access to land. Mm. And so that's going to be one of the initiatives is we actually want to try to change the farm bill in 2023. So you're going to see and hear a big push for us to change legislation so that the government will help protect farmland so that we can have more local farmers and we can do more organic and local sourcing that'll help sustain not only Chipotle restaurants, but you, anyone else who wants to purchase those types of um, ingredients in the future. So super excited for that to come out. And then you also have an, another partner in a Carhartt. Yes. Who is, yeah, so, that, so that's very exciting too. So you don't always have to go alone. Right. So Carhartt is going to provide some merchandise for us. It'll be pretty cool and fun. And we'll be selling some of the things in the film that you see, you know, through Carhartt. Um, and again, you know, proceeds benefiting the National Young uh, Farmers Coalition. And so, um, but really the farm, I think helping others join us in this collaborative effort around, you know, saving the future of farming is what I hope that we can strike that emotional chord and that people can understand it. If you haven't had a chance to go to a farm or if you weren't raised on a farm and you just, but you enjoy those fresh vegetables and, and the products that come you know, hopefully you'll, you'll support it and sign up as well. So that's, again, you're, you're putting your, not just your money, but your hands right, right. Um, and your innovation and your creativity. So, so that's wonderful. Uh, do you get inspired by somebody else? You know, not perhaps in your industry, but anybody that you say, wow, there's this little tiny company that inspires us for some of our thinking or, you know, I'm just curious about that. Sure. Um, you know, I, I read and, and, you know, I'm on, you know, social media and, and look a lot. So I always 
love when I find a great brand that is just doing something innovative. So to me, it doesn't have to be any, you know, I'm not, I'm industry agnostic, if you will, it can be, you know, in the food industry or, or certainly someone else. But, um, you know, there are some great brands out there that I, that I've always admired for, for different reasons. Right. And so some of that might be in the environmental space, Patagonia comes to mind. Um, but others, you know, I, I like to look, how are people, you know, how are companies treating their people, you know, and what, what are they doing? I love innovation, right? So if they can do something different that gives a competitive advantage. And I was like, oh, why didn't we think of that? Right. And so, you know, at Chipotle, we always want to, you know, you always want to have that leadership position and, and be the first to do something and have the most impact and be most relevant. So when I see another brand doing that, I, I just love to learn from that. But what I'll, I'll, if I see the example, I'll then bring that back and say, okay, was there anything that we can do today? You know, what, if I looked across that platform, whatever it might be, you know, and how could we apply that here, but do it maybe a little bit differently, right? Or put a little spin on it. So I love to see what others are doing. I think we have to all work together to be more innovative, be creative and collaborative. I think COVID taught us one thing is that, you know, it's okay to have cross collaboration across even competitors, right? And especially around sustainability, that is something we all have to get together and support. And that's where we're going to have the biggest impact. We can't do it alone. Absolutely can't go it alone. You know what I've seen in some of our interviews and my friends in the industry is that when they have the multiple hats that you wear, internal, external, public affairs, food safety, et cetera, that they bring a more holistic and strategic view. And then the work that comes out is amazing. And one that, that I'm thinking of, which our listeners probably don't think about is Scott's miracle Grow, because Jim King, and we just did our second interview with him, um, and he is wearing all those types of hats, not food safety, because they're growing plants and, 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 and vegetables, but, but he's wearing many hats. And so again, to our listeners, you know, if you want to get closest or in the C-suite, there are many different roads you can travel within the company to gather the background to truly be in a position where you can influence policy and operations and such. So um, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, this has been a great, great conversation. And unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it soon. But we always like to ask, Lori, do you have two or three insights that you want to share for people who Gee, I wish I had Lori's job or they're on the journey to Lori's job in activating, embedding their purpose as well as their sustainability journey. So I'll share two things. One is just from a uh, career perspective in general is that, you know, if you're looking to get to the next level, you have a job you're aspiring to, you know, my advice is to you know, bring to the table something they didn't ask for, right? I love people on my team who say, you didn't ask for this, but, or I thought about, you know, wouldn't it be cool or great if we, if we tried this? And the other thing is, you know, grab those projects and programs that nobody else wants to do and make it your own, right? So I think you can, you can take a project that people are like, oh gosh, nobody's successful with it, or it's kind of a pain. Grab that and show that you can be a great leader and how you can put your, your spin on it. And, um, the other thing I'll say is that, you know, in our industry and in sustainability um, and companies and, you know, Coca-Cola is another great example that I, I look at and, and be leading sustainability over there is that you can't just have a sustainability team and think, OK, we're going to get it all done because we've got this team of a few people. We have three people on our sustainability team here at Chipotle. But what we do is we have cross-functional teams, you know, whether you're in marketing or supply chain or HR, no matter where you are. Everybody, you know, we say this all the time, and it's not responsible for sustainability, but everybody is engaged and everybody wants to be part of, you know, again, cultivating a better world that all feeds together in our purpose and our values. And so make sure that if you are in sustainability, that you're not operating in an island, on an island, and that you're trying to do things alone because you won't get there. But also, you're going to see how, how much people love to get involved. If it's something you don't, if you're in finance, right, and all day you're crunching numbers, and yeah. meeting the <laughs> quarterly deadlines and all yeah. that, or payroll processing, but you have ideas around sustainability, like why are we printing paper? Why are we printing checks? Or why are we doing this? You've got to have an avenue for people to bring those ideas forward. And then you're going to be able to have that impact. So those would be the two things is just you know, drive your career, be the one, you know, do those innovative things that no one else wanted to do or put your spin on it. Um, 
And then, you know, find cross-functional partners to help you achieve your goals. Open arms. That's right. <laughs> Open arms. Yeah. To to, to embrace the, the purpose and embrace the vision. This has been an amazing conversation and you are just, you know, you know you're a rock star. So I am now, uh, I think I've re-engaged with Chipotle. So uh, of course, in my speeches and such, I'm going to embed you because I, I think it's great. And you're just hitting it on so many cylinders. Is there anything else you'd like to add before? Before we have to say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you so much. First of all, I just really appreciate it. And, you know, I'd say our journey, we're at the very beginning. You know, it's very nice. Ah. I, I, you know, I, like I said, when I, when I admired Chipotle from afar, I was like, wow, I had them on a pedestal and thought, how are they doing all these great things? And they did do it right the first time instead of, you know, you know, I've been at brands where you're trying to remove things and, you know, argue with, you know, NGO partners. And Chipotle has just been an incredible example of someone who did it right the first time. But we are very early in our journey and there's there's so much more work to be done. And so I would just encourage everyone to, you know, keep working at it again. This, you know, when everybody works at something like, you know, environmental issues, you know, we're going to you know, it rises everybody up, right? It makes things a lot easier. So, you know, I just appreciate that people are so passionate about sustainability, passionate about the environment and the impact that we can all have. And to be honest, the responsibility that we have. And so I guess I'll close by just saying, you know, please remember to recycle, compost, whatever <laughs> you can do and and continue to think creatively because it's it's fun as well, right? That's what makes it all go around. There you go. Super. Well, thank you, Lori Shallow. It has been a wonderful conversation. I am so hungry, so I have to go <laughs> out. I know where I'm having dinner tonight. <laughs> and good luck with the with the new film. Thank you. Um, I know people are going to love it. And um, the sustainability and purpose world is better because of you and your work. Oh, thank you very much, Carol. Appreciate it. So uh, to our listeners, if you enjoyed this conversation, and I know you did, um, please go to your favorite place. Um, it might be um, Apple and iTunes and such. And just give us a review because we want more and more. This conversation is not just for sustainability experts. It's for all of us. It's for anybody in a company. And whether you're in the middle of your career or you're about to start out in your career, sustainability and purpose is something we all must understand his strategy and also take our individual part. So give us a five star, I hope, fingers crossed, and uh, listen up. And of course, Lori's going to want to hear from you. Let her know what you think of the new film. So thank you so much, Lori, and good luck with its launch. Thank you. Thank you. 